This episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio. Spring is here, and that means it's time to get outside. Luckily, when I have a good audiobook ready, I can do two things at once. Take a walk in the sunshine and listen to a few more chapters. Not sure what audiobook to download next? The Last Word, written by Katie Burchill and narrated by Karen Cass, just released. It's an enemies-to-lovers rom-com that's perfect for fans of Bridget Jones's Diary. The heroine is a celebrity editor for the weekend glossy magazine of a big London newspaper, and her love interest is the features editor. The author is a former magazine editor herself for England's Country Life magazine, so it's fun seeing how she turns that real-life experience into a juicy fictional story. Start listening to The Last Word by Katie Burchill now, wherever audiobooks are sold. Hello, welcome to A Bookish Home. I'm your host, librarian and writer, Laura Zara-Pinsky, and today my guest is Deepa Varadarajan, author of Late Bloomers, a witty, big-hearted debut in which an Indian-American family is turned upside down when the parents split up after 36 years of their arranged marriage. Deepa lives in Atlanta with her husband and two children. She's a legal academic and a graduate of Yale Law School. She grew up in Texas and received her bachelor's from the University of Texas at Austin. Her short fiction has appeared in the Georgia Review, and her legal scholarship has appeared in the Yale Law Journal and many other publications. Late Bloomers is her first novel. Welcome, Deepa. Thank you for being here, and congratulations on the new book. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I loved Late Bloomers so much. The whole idea of kind of a second act in particular, and I loved that there's sort of a library involved in a character's second <laughs> act. That was very fun and some romance. Um, I just thought it was so hopeful and um, just big hearted and funny. I kind of read it all in one weekend and it was just such a joy to keep going back to like, oh, I need, a, I need to get another chapter. Like I've got to go back to this family. I just really enjoyed the whole reading experience. So for listeners who have not gotten to take a peek at Late Bloomers yet, could you tell us a little bit um, about the premise for the book and the characters that we meet? Sure. So um, my novel tells the story of, as you said, an Indian American family in Texas where the parents, Lata and Suresh Raman, have divorced after 36 years of an unhappy arranged marriage. And now they're trying to figure out how to live alone, how to date for the first time. They're trying to find these new beginnings that are far outside their comfort zone. And their adult children, Priya and Nikesh, uh, are struggling to adjust to these shifting family dynamics. They're trying to understand their parents' new lives. And at the same time, they're trying to sort through their own romantic issues and and figure out what's going to make them happy in their own lives. And, you know, I've always been drawn to stories about family members discovering secret sides of one another, confronting old wounds and regrets, but, but ultimately coming together and figuring out how to let the people you love become these new and evolving versions of themselves. And, and that's what the story is about. I love it. And... You know, as I was reading, it just felt like each one of these family members is is so like believable and complex. They each have their own quirks, and um, I wondered if maybe there was one character in the family that came to you first that you sort of built things from, or I guess just how how did this start? Yeah, so the the family member that came to me first was actually Suresh, uh, and. Uh, so it's interesting. So many, many years ago, almost two decades ago now, I was 
dating an Indian American man and his parents had recently divorced and his dad was beginning to experiment with internet dating. And I, I remember him telling us something along the lines of, you know, I want to try it your way this time. And I remember thinking, you know, that that's so brave to, you know, try something outside your comfort zone, you know, later in life. And at the same time, I was going through, you know, relationship issues of my own. And, and so this all sort of planted a seed in me of like, wouldn't it be interesting to, you know, read a story about a recently divorced Indian couple and then their adult children kind of all going through romantic turmoil at the same time. And so, you know, I hadn't read a book like that before. And so I thought, okay, you know, maybe I could try to write it. Um, and at that time, I had never, I had not written any fiction before. I, I, I didn't take any creative writing classes in undergrad or anything like that. And so I had um, started uh, participating in this writing workshop, um, uh, you know, sort of in one evening a week after working sort of long hours at a, at a law firm job. And the very first workshop assignment was to bring in two pages in first person point of view. Um, and I thought of this character, Suresh, and I and I wrote two pages. And, um, you know, that's, that's sort of how it all started. Uh, and at that time, I, I didn't know it was going to be a novel. I, I certainly wasn't confident enough at, at the very start to, to think, oh, this could be a novel. But but his voice was the one that came first to me. Um, and so and so that's kind of how it started. That's so interesting. I love like book origin stories. Um, how, how long ago did you start with that class? Like and now the book is coming out. Oh, my gosh. I think that class was probably in late 2003 or early 2004. I mean, it was a very. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and you know, so cool. Yeah. And it sort of, you know, I, I, I thought it was going to be a short story and I, I couldn't quite get the short story to work. And then I sort of put it away for several years and then, you know, pulled it back out and was like, oh, maybe there's something here. And I was working on it again. And then all of the other characters, the, you know, ex-wife Letha and the adult children, Priya and Nikesh, I just started thinking about them a lot. And their voices, you know, started coming to me and I would kind of write chapters from their points of view. And, and, and that's, that's, yeah, it kind of went from there. And it, it really was a very long process, lots of fits and starts and writing and deleting and, you know, feeling like I didn't know what I was doing a lot of the time and trying to learn along the way. So, yeah. Um, I always think that's so um, helpful to hear uh, for, the, for those of us aspiring writers. I loved the Lata character and kind of her, you know, also bravely starting over. And um, I'd love to hear a little bit about maybe how you developed her character. And I just thought she was so fun to spend time with as a reader. I kind of wondered if it was like that as a writer too. Yeah, you know, she was the she was a voice that was a little harder for me at the beginning, but then she she kind of became my favorite along the way. Um, you know, I found myself really rooting for her. Yes. Uh, yeah, and you know, she like you said, I mean, it's a very brave and hard thing to do, I think, to try something far outside your comfort zone later in life, something you haven't had any experience doing. She hasn't had any experience dating and you know, she has a lot of um, fear and discomfort and nervousness around it. And, you know, it was really fun to write her character. And, you know, like, like I said, I, I think by the end of this whole process, she, she became my favorite, 
you know? I mean, I love them all. And it, I mean, at this point, I like to joke, I've known these characters longer than I've known my own husband or children. So <laughs> I feel like I know them very well at this point, but, but even amongst all four of these characters who I feel like I've become very close to, she's, she is my favorite. Yes, I think she is my favorite too. And I also love that so many of her scenes take place in a library. So that's very fun. Um, well, I would imagine kind of weaving together their different perspectives um, and kind of plotting it all out would be sort of a challenge. How did you approach that? Yeah, so I'm not someone that sort of works with an outline or anything like that at the beginning. So, um, you know, as I was working on these characters, I really just kind of started with a scene and a voice. uh, And, you know, I sort of proceeded from there. And, um, you know, there were, it was a challenge, I think, to make all four of their stories intersect and um, kind of weave them together in that way. And again, it was just a lot of trial and error. I mean, I think there were a lot of chapters that I ended up discarding, um, you know, lots of scenes that I ended up kind of hit the cutting room floor, which was hard to do, but kind of necessary to do in order to, um, you know, get the sort of pacing and the structure uh, of it to work. Um, and I do remember there was a point where, you know, I was working on the middle. I think I think middles of novels can be really challenging uh, not to have this sort of soggy middle. Uh, <laughs> so that, that, that was very challenging for me. And, and that was something that I had to sort of work on a lot and revise and redo quite a few times and to, to really get the stories to, to intersect in a way that I think, um, you know, gave it gave it momentum for the reader. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned kind of being in a writing class at the start. Mm-hmm. Were there particular um particular um ways you kind of ha- were able to keep going either other writing classes or like critique groups? Like what kind of helped you along your um journey to this debut? Yeah, I mean, I think it was very helpful, especially at the beginning as a person who, you know, didn't have an MFA and didn't have any experience taking creative writing classes um, before I started, you know, so it's funny, I I wasn't a person who, I think a lot of people know from a very young age that they want to be a writer. And I really was not one of those people. Um, I always was a reader. I love to read. Um, You know, I grew up in a small university town in Texas, not unlike the town in this book. Uh, and when I was growing up, I was one of just a few you know, Indian American kids in my school. And I think like a lot of people who feel like outsiders, I turned to fiction. So I've always been a lifelong reader, um, but it didn't really occur to me to try my hand at writing fiction until I was in law school. Uh, and in fact, it wasn't even until college that I had encountered uh, a book by a South Asian woman author before. And I remember in in college, I had this terrific literature professor and she introduced me to um, Arundhati Roy's The God of Small Things. And that book, you know, blew me away um, and sort of maybe planted the very first spark of, wow, someone who looks like me <laughs> wrote a novel. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes it's hard to imagine yourself doing something unless you see someone like yourself looks like you kind of doing something. And so, um, so I guess it wasn't until law school even that I sort of started thinking, okay, I'd like to try my hand at this. I'd like to try writing fiction. 
And it's very daunting in the beginning to try to to do that. And so it was very helpful for me to do a creative writing workshop. Um, The first workshop I ever did was uh, in New York. It was called the Writer's Studio. And it was helpful because, you know, you started out with these short exercises meant to focus your attention on different aspects of craft, like point of view, a dialogue, uh, things like that, which, again, at the beginning, if you're not sure where to start, it can be really helpful to have those specific exercises to direct you to think about these things. And then after that, I participated in workshops at uh, Sackett Street, also in New York, which w- were terrific. Um, and that was all really helpful. It was very helpful to have a group of people, um, you know, committed, uh, interested p- people who are interested in writing and reading to bring work to um, every few weeks and, and to read their work too and kind of kind of learn together. And so I found that all to be really helpful. Um, and I've moved a lot since then uh, over the past you know, 20 years. I live in Atlanta now um, and I've been here for the past uh, seven, eight years. But, um, you know, since beginning writing this story, uh, I've, I've lived in several places and I always have tried to look for a writing group or a writing community um, because I do think it's really, really helpful to to have a group of people to workshop new material for and, you know, really to see their reactions in real time to what you've written um, you get a really good sense if something is is working or not working. I love that. And was it um, because, and I can relate to this a lot, having a, having a, a project that sort of takes um, years and years, do you sort of, um, was it difficult to get to the point where you were like, okay, I think I've gotten this into the place where I want to start querying and trying to find an agent or was it sort of natural like you're like, okay, I think this is ready. It's time like for the next step. Oh yeah. It, it is really hard. I mean, it was not natural. At all. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it can be, a, and that's part of the learning process too. Right. I mean, I think it can be really hard to know, you know, when is the right moment to send it out? Am I done? Am I done yet? And I think in my own uh, process of querying and trying to get an agent, uh, there was a point that I had sent it out a few years ago, where I think I probably had sent it out a little bit too early, something that was more at a draft stage than a, and then a finished stage. And so, you know, you kind of make these mistakes along the way. Um, and even, you know, I think you can sort of endlessly revise and tinker with something. And so it can be hard too to know, you know, is this the moment that I should send it out? Am I done? Uh, and you know, I think for me, that was a challenging thing to sort of figure out that, okay, it's ready. I'm done. You know, I'm, it's time to send it out. Uh, and, you know, I think I also, because this process for me was so long, um, you know, this definitely not is not a story of I wrote this in three months and got an agent right away. I mean, it was a very long process for me. And I think, you know, one of the things I also struggled with along the way, because, um, you know, there was a lot of rejection along the way was, to ask myself, you know, is this, is this my novel in a drawer, right? Like you hear people who have published and they talk about how they have one or two manuscripts that they had tried to sell and were unsuccessful and they kind of, you know, put it in the drawer and then moved on to the next. And so there were definitely moments along the way too, where I was like, is, 
is this my novel in a drawer? You know, am yeah. I am I just sort of endlessly revising this and sending it out and trying to get it published when what I really should be doing is moving on? Um, and but but there was always for me this kernel of like I think this is a story worth telling and I think this is a story worth sharing with the world. And so I I just I, it's like I couldn't give up on it. Um, and so, and I, and I think, you know, that's something that a person can only figure out for themselves, right? Like, do they still, do they still want to stick with that story or are they ready to move on? And for me, I think I just wasn't ready to move on. Right. Oh, that, that is, um, as I've thought of that before too, because you do hear so often people have a book in a drawer and then go on to something else. Like when do you decide to put it in the drawer? Then some people take it out of the drawer. <laughs> you don't know. But, um, and then also too, I feel like it can be discouraging at times to think like, Oh my goodness. Cause I'm sure, you know, you were busy or working too and everything at some point. Do you, do you think like, Oh my goodness. Like was all this time I was putting into this, like, is this going to be for nothing? Like, did you ever sort of wonder, like, maybe I should just be, like, enjoying my free time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I, and I think one of the things that I learned along the way is, you know, that it's probably best just to be focused on trying to get better at the craft of writing and just try to be focused on the process and the enjoyment of creating these characters and, you know, trying to understand these characters and and trying to get better at the craft of writing because, you know, if you get too fixated on the ends or the outcomes, it can be really disillusioning because you have so little control over those. And, you know, what I've sort of understood now about this whole process is that the difference between getting published and not published is essentially two people falling in love with your book at around the same time, right? An agent and an editor. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's some amount of the stars having to align for that to happen. Um, and I, I think I only really appreciate now, you know, I mean, there's certainly a lot of hard work and persistence that's part of the story, but luck is part of the story too. And timing, you know, is because yeah. I, I do recall, you know, a few years ago when I had, had sent it out the first time, I do think it was maybe in an earlier stage than it should have been when I sent it out. But I also, some of the responses I got from some very nice agents who'd read um, the manuscript, they'd say, say things like, you know, this is, this is really good. You're a really good writer. Um, but I don't know how to sell this or I don't see the market for this. And I, and so I wonder if there's a little bit of a timing story too, you know, could have sort of yeah. years. There's just been more cultural representation of Indian Americans and in films and TV and books. And so, you know, maybe there's also a changing perception that a story like this about an Indian American family, not, not a, not closer to when they first immigrated, right? Not sort of a recent immigrant story, but one, you know, decades later after they've assimilated a different kind of story. Maybe there is a perception that this is a more marketable story now, you know? So I think, you know, this, what I've learned, I think in this path to publication is, yes, a lot of it is persistence and not giving up and, you know, working on your craft, but there's also an element of luck and timing in it too. And you can't really do very much about that. And so I think what I have learned from all of this is that for one's own sanity, it really is much better to just be focused on the process and the craft, because that is the thing that you do have control over. I think that's such good advice. And it's so true about like all those stars needing to align and the time needing to align. Well, you know, I would love to hear too a little bit about kind of your reading life as well. And I know you mentioned a little bit about kind of books that 
maybe inspired you to write? Are there books in um, recent years that you've really fallen in love with? And I guess sort of along with that, are there any authors that have maybe been kind of like helping you along this debut journey? Well, I have been inspired by so many authors um, along the way, like too many to count. You know, I think when you work on something for 20 years, you're, you're definitely, you know, you're reading a lot of fiction in those years. And, you know, I, I tend to be drawn to stories about families confronting change. I love humorous, heartfelt stories about, you know, families discovering these secret sides of one another and kind of evolving together, confronting regrets. Um, but, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, coming together and trying to better their understandings of one another. And so I have certainly, there's many novels along the way about families that I have loved, like, you know, the works of Emma Straub and a book like The Vacationers or uh, Jamie Attenberg's The Middle Steens. Um, and so there's, you know, just too many books to count about families that I have really, really loved. And, you know, also in sort of um, recent, uh, in my recent months, I've I've read some books that I I admire so much that I, I think the writing is just incredible. So one book I read recently that I loved is Julia Otsuka's The Swimmers. And it's this amazing novel about many things, uh, including a complicated mother-daughter relationship. And the form of it is really interesting, you know, with parts written in collective first person and parts written in the second person. And it's just this exquisitely written book that I've been thinking about long after I finished it. Um, and another terrific book I read recently is All This Could Be Different by uh, Sarah Thunka Matthews. Um, it's smart and moving and just amazingly well-written. Uh, and I've um, also been rereading a novel called Hurricane Girl by Marcy Dramansky, which I loved reading the first time and I'm loving reading again. Um, and Marcy's one of these writers that I admire so much because, you know, her work was always just funny and heartbreaking suspenseful and surprising all at the same time. So it's, it's, it's a terrific novel and I, I highly recommend that one too. Oh, those all sound great. I'll definitely have to link to those. Well, and that's kind of making me wonder too. I know everybody's different as they're writing and drafting. Do you have a hard time um, like sinking into other books while you're working on one of your own or are you able to kind of turn off the characters that you're writing about and kind of live with some other ones for a while. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, it's so interesting when I read, you know, interviews of authors and, and you, you know, some people say that they, you know, they can't read fiction when they're writing their, their book. And I think for me, just because this novel took so long to write, it was like a 20 year period. <laughs> I think if I'd given up writing, reading fiction, that would have been very sad for me. Cause I think, you know, I'm a reader first. Um, and so, I mean, I, 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 I think for me, you know, my characters' voices were just pretty strong in my head and I really knew who they were. And so, you know, I was able to, to really, um, I think, bring them out in the ways that I wanted. Um, and so, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully the next time around, it won't take 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, you know, in, I also read a lot of nonfiction, I think, um, because my in my uh, other life, I'm a I'm a law professor. So I, I do read a lot of nonfiction for my for my work. And so, you know, for me, being able to to read fiction is it's really important. It's sort of my escape. And and um, so I, I don't know. 
I don't know how I would be able to stop reading fiction um, while writing fiction. Hello, Bookish Home podcast listeners. Thanks to our friend and host, Laura, for inviting me, Robin Witten, the editor and founder of Audiophile Magazine, to celebrate the 14th year of our beloved audiobook program for teens. It's called Audiobook Sync, and it launches on April 27th. Teens anywhere and everywhere, including international teens, can get 28 free audiobooks during the 14-week program. We have fantasy, fiction, and romance audiobooks, and really there's an audiobook to please every ear. So go to audiobooksync.com to register and find out more about Audiophile's free program and the free audiobooks for teens. And you can also find us at Audiobook Sync on Twitter and Instagram. So you mentioned um, you're a law professor as well. So I had been wanting to ask, too, what your writing routine is like. Are you kind of like squeezing it in in little bits like at a lunch break or before work or kind of what's your routine like? Yeah. So I don't know that I have what I would call a very consistent uh, process. So I'm, I always aspire to be one of these people that wakes up at 4.30 in the morning and, you know, makes the cup of coffee and then has the, you know, the uninterrupted. I aspire to that time. It never happens. <laughs> I know. I think I read maybe an interview or something with Toni Morrison where she said something like that and she write, you know, and I was just like, oh, I, I, I aspire to be the kind of person that can, that can do that. Um, but that has never worked out for me. So I, I wouldn't describe my writing process as really consistent. But I do feel like I'm when I'm working on something, I'm kind of always thinking, you know, every day I'm at least doing something, even if it's just, you know, writing a note to myself on on iPhone notes, right? Like, oh, I think this is something so and so would say, or I think this is, you know, if something strikes me as an observation a character might make, I'll, I'll, I'll jot it down. I'm going on my morning walk and I'll have a sort of thought and I'll, I'll jot it down. And then there are periods of time when I am able to, to do more, um, you know, have these longer stretches to write. And so, um, you know, and I, in the intervening years, I also, you know, became a parent twice and that's also, you know, adds to the challenges of trying to find the time to, to work on, uh, fiction and and I so it's very much just a squeezing the moments when I can sort of approach um, to, to writing. But but for me, I think one thing that that does definitely help is even if I'm not able to write you know x hundred words each day, kind of consistently thinking about the project, and even if I'm just writing you know a note to myself or two each day it just kind of keeps my head in that story and that I find to be really helpful. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then when you sit down, you've kind of at least been percolating and, mm-hmm. um, and thinking about it. Well, that makes me wonder too. Um, I know that sometimes the advice is sort of like while you're querying or while the book is sort of um, in production that you're kind of writing the next thing. Is that something you've been doing or um, are you able to say anything about like a next project? Sure. Well, I mean, at the moment, I am working on some short stories. So I, oh, okay. I really love the short story form. I love reading them. I love, you know, writing them. I think one of my all-time favorite books is Laurie Moore's Birds of America, her short story collection. Um, I, I find short stories to be really challenging to write and very gratifying in a different way than a novel. So I'm, I'm really enjoying that 
that process um, right now. Um, I'm also working on something that I'm, I'm not sure is a novel yet. So right now it's really just some, you know, scenes and character sketches, but, but I think it could possibly grow into a novel and, and like late bloomers, it also focuses on an Indian American family and, you know, parents and their adult children and adult sibling relationships and rivalries and regrets and forgiveness. So, so, you know, we'll see what that turns into. And, and again, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, now that I've had the experience of writing a first novel, that this one, this one will go a little bit faster, but, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know as we're talking, the book is not quite out yet. It will be when this airs, but I did wonder, um, it's one of those books where I finish it and go, Ooh, that would make such a good movie or show. And I know it's early. I just wondered if there was like any talk of that in your world. Oh gosh, wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, you know, I thank you for thinking that it would make a, a good movie or TV show. I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'll put it out into into the universe. Like maybe somebody will start working on a screenplay. Um, well, um, Deepa, I've so enjoyed getting to chat with you. I really hope um, listeners go pick up late bloomers at their local bookstore. Get in those library holds. It's just such a treat of a read. I think people are really going to just kind of fall in love with this family and love getting um, to spend time with them. So um, thank you for telling us more about the book and your writing journey. And best of luck kind of on this this debut uh, journey as well. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. For links to all of the books mentioned on this week's episode, you can visit abookishhome.com. If you are enjoying the show, I hope you take a minute to subscribe and also rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would encourage you to share it on social media to help other people find the show and this episode. Thanks for listening, everyone, and happy reading.